What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and today we have Mike Vorkanov with us from The Athletic. He was so polite to come on the show and actually give us a good 20-minute interview about his article he wrote on Desmond Bain, but we also have a chance to hit on some John Morant, a lot of Grizzlies, and even slow-mo, Kyle Anderson. He's from the Jersey area, and so is Mike. So we had to ask him some questions about Kyle as he grew up back in the day from his high school time, but also now the player that he is becoming. These Grizzlies are so fun to watch, and I'm just honestly enjoying the ride. The ride that they have us on has been so much fun, and what they're doing right now is just mind-boggling. It's crazy that this team, this young, so underrated, are just playing out of their minds, and I am just glad to be a fan. I have a podcast. I do a lot of things with the lead sports media, but realistically, I'm just a fan, and it's so much fun to just sit back and watch. One little thing I want to share before the interview, and that is that your Grizzlies are 26 and 14 right now, and they have more wins than anyone in the Eastern Conference. Just think about that for a second. 26 and 14, more wins than anyone in the Eastern Conference. It's crazy to think about, but it's a crazy time to be alive. It's a crazy time to be in the 901. Let's go ahead and get into the interview with Mike. Enjoy. All right, today's interview, we have with us a national NBA journalist from The Athletic. He is the co-founder of The 30 Newsletter. He is Mike Vorkanov. What's up, Mike? What's going on? Not much. We uh, So I kind of contacted you and uh, wanted to see if we could bring you on. And so you were very, very polite into coming on for the people of Memphis. You wrote a nice piece on Desmond Bain. And so I had to get you on to hear a little bit more about it because we love Desmond. I just had his college coach, uh, Jamie Dixon, on the podcast this week. And so I figured, why not continue the conversation about Desmond? So how was it going in and finding more about him? Because I would imagine you don't know a ton about him before you start doing a little bit of research. Yeah, I mean, I I can't profess uh, to be a Desmond Bain expert even now, but um, I I thought it was interesting. He's got a really interesting story, you know, obviously with how he grew up and then um, just being a guy who's, you know, he told me almost went D2. He thought that was going to be his plan um, going senior year of high school and he ends up at TCU just because Jamie Dixon and his staff just got there. They're looking for guys to fill out the roster and heard about this small school kid in Indiana. I think he played like the lowest division in Indiana. So I think he got a little bit overlooked and negative wingspan, which is apparently, you know, the death knell for any prospect out of high school or college. Um, but he's been productive his whole life. And I obviously, um, you know, he's, he's doing so well now with Memphis. He's really been a, a steal for them coming in at number 30 in the draft uh, in 2020. And, and they've got a really interesting team, uh, you know, with everyone around job because of, of the way that they've been able to draft and develop. 
Right. Yeah. And that's the big thing. The Grizzlies are doing well and the front office is so you know good for that. Uh, but but talking about the wingspan, I know that was the title of your 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 piece. But one of the, the I guess the quotes that you had is I will never let it go. You had four years to do research on me. All my background stuff checked out. That's on them. That was about Desmond Bain being drafted 30th overall. Did you kind of feel the chip on his shoulder as you talked to him about all that? Yeah, you know, he's, it's clear that he's not. He wasn't happy with where he went. He's still not happy with where he went. You know, he said he, he thought that the Suns were showing interest and the Pistons were showing interest in him. The Suns had the 10th pick, uh, the 2020 draft. The Pistons had 16 and 19. So he really thought uh, he was going to go much earlier. I think he probably thought he was going to Detroit, if I had to guess. Yeah. And uh, so then he had to sit sit there on the board for what twelve picks after that Dallas pick, eleven after the second Pistons pick, and uh, you know as productive as he was in college, I, I understand why he thought he might have gone earlier. And I think everyone goes into the draft thinking they're gonna go earlier than they actually do, unless you go like one or two. Um, but Desmond, obviously, he's carrying that with him, and it's it's something that he's. Uh, I think it's part of his, you know, his character. It's part of his. Uh, the thing that motivates him on a daily basis. Yeah, no. And then I think that's the chip on the shoulder. That is really the Grizzly style. And uh, I just, I think adding in a lot of these key pieces, like I talked about earlier uh, with the front office, kind of putting those pieces together, that was very crucial for them. Uh, but another part I saw on here, and it kind of made me uh, chuckle a little bit, uh, but it said something about being the honey bun, uh, how honey bun became an NBA overachiever by knowing how to fit in. Tell us more about the honey bun. Yeah, well, when he arrived at TCU, you know, like you look at Desmond Bain now, he's ripped, right? Like right. he's, you know, I, I was listening to the Nets uh, Grizzlies telecast and Ian Eagle, the Nets broadcaster, was like, you know, in awe of how uh, in shape he is. But when he arrived at TCU, he was around like 14, 16% body fat. He was not in shape. He was in high school. He didn't have all, it seems like all the equipment and the stuff available to him. And I, I don't think he was that serious about it either. Um, and so, you know, they called him honey bun back at TCU and uh, you know, <laughs> obviously that's not the case anymore, but that's, that's part of how he's not only reimagined his game, but his body to get to where he is. Yeah. Uh, no, the honey bun made me chuckle because I was literally talking to uh, the coach last week and he was like, yeah, he came in and he was, he was this private school kid, couldn't play any defense. Uh, he was not really in great shape. He was, you know, 20-ish percent body fat, which probably you are more accurate with your number because he was just kind of shooting off the hip. So who knows if Coach still remembered uh, <laughs> Desmond Bain's body fat percentage when he came in. Um, but, but he had a lot of good things to say about, you know, Ja and the rest of the team. Uh, do you see the – and do you feel the excitement come out of him that – really that he, I guess that comes off with him when he gets to play with his players, but the entire team, the entire Grizzlies, did it come off in the conversation? But also when you watch them, does it come out of your TV like it does for me? Yeah. I mean, it's clear they like playing with each other, right? It's clear they've got a good vibe going. Um, John Desmond seem to be close. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I think that they all have a, a similar kind of ethos binding them together and, and the style of play that they have. You know, it's not a, like a, you know, it's not where Ja is the center of the universe there. I, I think everyone is able to get their shots, which makes it a little more fun to play together too, right? And, um, yeah, you can tell. You can tell that they're having fun. And I think that's what makes them interesting to watch too, right? Like, 
Uh, they have a fun style of playing. They have a good way about them. Like it's a team that's rolling right now and enjoying it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, let's uh, let's spend a little bit on uh, you know off of Desmond Bain into just the Grizzlies. Uh, but one guy I have to, a big question about. It's coming up very soon, and he is now ranked third in voting. Does Jaw deserve to be the an NBA starter this year in the West? Oh man, uh, you can only they still do the whole position thing. So you know, Steph deserves a spot for sure. Yep. Right. Um, I mean, it, after that, it, it gets tough. I, you know, Phoenix is rolling right now, so probably if you want to consider Chris Paul or Devin Booker, um, just because they're doing you know pretty well. Utah, Donovan Mitchell, it's yep. you know it's somewhere there. You know, I would say Ja, Chris, Luca, but you know he's been. He hasn't been the same. Dallas is kind of like just hovering over 500. Right. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'd say it's probably between Ja and, uh, and Donovan Mitchell and, and one of the Suns guards. If you want to figure out who that, um, that last right. backcourt spot is next to, next to Steph. And that's it. You're really playing for one spot, right? Like Chris yeah. Paul leads the league in assists. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of the, uh, the, the, you know, Hall of Famer at 30, I think he's 36. So maybe he just gets in that way. But I think it's those three guys kind of playing for it right now. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, We all love that Ja is even in the running, uh, let alone, uh, you know, just kind of just being potentially thought about as being all-star. But the fact that he's in the running as being a starter uh, is very cool. Um, Another guy who we really enjoy, and because you're in the Jersey area, we got to talk a little bit about slow-mo, and we don't get a chance to talk a lot about him uh, because he's kind of to himself a little bit. He doesn't give the the Dylan Brooks uh, interviews after the game uh, with his shades and everything. Uh, and so a little bit about slow-mo, what, you know, kind of, I guess, being from that area, did you know of him when he was coming out of high school? Yeah, I'd heard about him a little bit. You know, he's a pretty high-ranking prospect. I think he was, you know, top five in his class coming out of the St. Anthony's in Jersey City. Um, and you, you, if you're good at Jersey City, like, you're going to be one of the highest-ranked recruits because that was a powerhouse high school program um, for a long, long time, for decades, actually. And so Kyle Anderson um, has been a big name around here in Jersey for a while, and obviously he was pretty good at UCLA. I think there was a stretch there where he was, you know, it seemed like he was a triple-double threat every yeah. night. Um yeah, so he's I've known about him for a while and he's a he seems to be a great role player in the NBA, right? And he's yep. got this interesting funky game to him and he's he's a he's a great passing four and he's one of those guys who kind of makes things work, right? Like if you put yep. him in, um he's he's kind of one of the glue guys in any offense or any team. Yeah, no, he is. He's definitely uh, one of the glue guys. And I know he's been out on COVID protocols, but he could be back, coming back soon. He just got activated, but uh, I think he was dealing with uh, some mild injuries, but, uh, but let's finish up on this one. Um, I know your time is, you know, we want to be very mindful of your time because I know you're busy. Um, and so just a little bit about the Grizzlies and going forward, what do you think they need to do as a team? Just off the top of your head, uh, going forward, is there an addition they need to do? Should they, you know, kind of keep it the same? I know that's very open in it and that's such a kind of a, a trap. Okay, we don't want you. We don't want the Grizzlies fans coming at you, right? But, but we all know that we all understand that this team is very much a good team. They're they're having fun. The chemistry is great. But what's the ceiling? And what do they maybe need to do to break to the ceiling? Is it stay together? Is it add a piece? Like so, on the outside looking in, 
what does it look like to you on the, on the outside? You know, it's going to be, um, I've been thinking about that as I was writing the story too. You know, I think they're clearly a playoff team, right? And they'll have some rough, you know, stretches ahead too, right? There'll be some struggles. They'll go on a losing streak. That stuff happens. Uh, I think right now what it's important is that Ja Morant seems to become like a full-fledged star, right? So you have your top guy and he was, you know, he was feisty even in the playoffs last year. Right. Um, and now you have this kind of next tier of supporting players with, with Bain, with Brooks, with Jaron Jackson, um, all these guys who can, especially you have wing depth, right? With Brooks and with Bain, you have, you know, kind of depth behind that. And I, maybe this is a cop-out to say, but I think the playoffs will reveal what they need next. Like okay. that's, that's really what I think shows you what you're missing. Um, so whoever they play in the playoffs, like I wouldn't be surprised if they went around, obviously they're fourth seed right now, I think in the West. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they went around, you know, and maybe if things get weird, if they win too, just because they play, they play well, they play cohesively. They've got a lead guard who can get buckets when he needs to, which is really important in the playoffs. They can shoot. Um, you know, if the defense can play playoff defense, we'll see. And, uh, I think the playoffs will reveal that, but I mean, look, I, they probably need more scoring depth. Like they need another guy who can get buckets himself. And I think that'll ease the load on John Morant. It'll also make sure that, you know, maybe late in a playoff game, you're not going to someone like Desmond Bain to try to get a two or a three when you need it. But uh, it'll be interesting. I, I think they, I, I, to me, the interesting question is how long the Grizzlies front office um, sees their timeline, right? Like, yeah. will they say, okay, we're at a place now where we got to use this off season to strike and try to jump to the top of the West. Do they think they have a few more years? Like how slow or quickly do they want to grow this team? That'll be um, interesting. And again, I, I think the playoffs will reveal that too. If they go one and out, maybe they think they're on a longer timeline. Uh, if they get to the Western conference finals, maybe they think it's coming quick. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a very good answer because I've never thought about it that way because everybody wants to do now, right? Everybody's like, all right, we need to figure out what the window is, but, but I've kind of been thinking of like, how long can you keep your window open? And that's really the biggest thing is probably what the front office is thinking. How do we continue to keep this window open? Because it's actually open right now. I'm not saying they're a title contender, but if enough injuries were to happen, then they could easily win a first round and then potentially catch an injury, you know, against another team. And that's when you are finding yourself in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, and so I'm, I'm interested in that. Uh, but going like, what do you think would be a smart move? Because I've not understood of what I would do because the Grizzlies are a very deep team, but they mm-hmm. have three first round picks next year. And that's going to be their own as well as the Lakers, which is, you know, they're, they're starting to you know kind of figure their stuff out enough. And then AD is eventually going to come back. Then you have Utah. So that's three first round picks in the 20s, right? What would you do or just thinking about it? Like, could you even combine those and get 10 spots higher? Would that make more sense? Or, to, you know, does that include it in trade or what does that look like to you? Because I've always kind of tried to figure that out. What you do with three first round picks if you're already a super deep team of just, you know, normal average NBA players. Yeah. And you have to remember, too, um, they're deep now, but there's going to be contract extensions coming, right? right. Like the salary cap is going to cause issues. Um, you're going to have to pay Bain Brooks and, uh, you know, they paid Jaron Jackson already. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so all those things are coming down the road. So they're going to have to make decisions on who they want to pay and who they want to keep. Um, and so they might want to use those picks later on to refuel a little bit if they need to. Um, yeah. That'll be worth watching. You know, obviously they took Zaire Williams this past year at number 10. 
um, see how he comes out. But it's clear they're still swinging at the top of the draft to try to get like another, you know, high level player. And it seems like a high level wing alongside uh, John Morant and that roster. Right. Um, We'll see where the Lakers pick ends up. You know, there's a scenario where since LeBron, I think is going to be 38 next year, like Westbrook has one more year if he's there. Anthony Davis has the potential to get hurt in any season. Like there's, you know, there's upside on that pick where it could possibly break into the lottery. Like if someone told me next year, the Lakers don't make the playoffs, I believe it. Um, So who knows where that pick ultimately ends up. Uh, But you do make a good point. Like it's going to be with three picks, potentially all in the twenties. What do you do? Do you try to, I don't know if you can, you know, pull those together and get up very high, right? right? Like the pick, you know, 24, 26 and 28, might not get you a uh, number 14 pick or something like that. You know, like yeah. they're not, they're not that valuable. Um, but maybe they try to pull them with a player and, and try to get another young veteran to improve that roster. So they got a lot of ways and um, like, it, it'll be interesting because they have flexibility. They're young. Uh, they haven't paid all their guys yet, which means they have some flexibility with the salary cap too. And uh, they have a decision on which way to go. And, and I, you know, part of that will probably be, be on how Zaire Williams develops too. Like if they think he's coming along and can be a guy, can be a really good starting wing that changes the calculus uh, for the future too. For sure. And that, and that's, you know, one way to look at it. And that's what I, I've always kind of been baffled of what you do uh, because who knows what they're going to do and they're much smarter than me. So I let them kind of do the thinking and I just uh, sit here and talk about it. Uh, but <laughs> hey, my I last... don't make the decisions. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's why I'm not a GM. I don't, I don't, I'm not one of those writers who thinks they can play GM. Uh, you know, right. It's a hard choice to be in. And so like they, I think they can go so many ways, but um, you know, it, it'll be interesting just because, you know, Bain is in his second year, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. so after next year, he can get an extension. Uh, Brooks is, uh, I think, what, year five by now? Jerry yeah, Jackson's got contract. Yep, yeah, so, and Jerry yeah. Jackson's contract is going to kick in, right? Like, so um, John Morant can get his extension. He'll probably, I assume, get the max after this season. So yeah. they're going to start to have, you know, to pay players, and that's going to cause some problems with the payroll. So that's going to open up their own uh, set of pathways. Yeah, I agree. And that's the difficult thing is who knows what direction they go. But what we have come to know here in Memphis is trust the front office. They're going to make good decisions. They have, for some reason, they picked Santi Aldama somewhat <laughs> for whatever reason, the first round. And he's actually good. Yeah, the plus uh, he, minus king. <laughs> he might be a good player. And that's when I would just say, all right, I'm going to shut up now because you're either going to be the, the smartest people in the room or you think you're the smartest person in the room. And now they're coming to fruition to be the smartest people in the room uh, due to that pick, because that blew me away uh, as well as Zaire Zaire. I know he was good in, in high school. He went to college and just kind of not flop, but he just didn't have a good year. And there's a lot of stuff surrounding it. And then in the end they chose and went that direction. So good for them. Uh, but last question, and this is uh, could be the most difficult is Desmond Bain the most improved player award winner this year? Uh, probably not. Uh, I think probably Miles Bridges yeah. may win that. Uh, ja has a, has a case yeah. for it too. Just a big jump that he's made from, you know, just good, really good player to now like all NBA level player. Yeah. Um, usually that's kind of where the award has gone as someone who's made that leap to all NBA level. Uh, but I think Desmond Bain should definitely, you know, get votes and be all that. I think it's a, maybe three people get votes if I remember what the ballot looks like, five people, whatever. 
you know, John Moran was the one pushing for Desmond as most improved player. Um, he's, he's really good. I think that's the most important thing is like, he's turned out to be a really good player at a need position on the wing, right. As a guard, a guy who can hit threes, it seems like he's developing a way to get his own shot too. Um, so that's important. And, uh, yeah, I don't think he's the most improved player. I think that's going to be a hard award to win for him, but eh, they're just awards. Who cares? Exactly. As long as, uh, if you get enough awards or whatever you do to make sure you get that, uh, the next contract, that's the most important thing. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably more important. What does the next contract look like? And uh, what's it translate to it, you know, in the playoffs? Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, uh, go check out the article. It's We're talking about wingspan. Desmond Bain was overlooked. Now he and John Morant are leading a Memphis revival. I love that. I, I love whatever, whatever. Is that a, is that considered a title if it's that long? It yeah, I think a it's a headline. Yeah, why not? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It, it, was perfect. it caught my eye. I like it. Uh, it's perfect. What else is in store for you? What's upcoming for you? Where p- can people find you, check you out, whatever? Yeah, just, you know, I read about the NBA and basketball at The Athletic. Just came out with an interview with Michelle Roberts. She's uh, retiring soon as the MBPA executive director. So you can go read that or uh, I don't know. I don't know what's next. I try to, you know, I, I kind of read and react. I wish I did more planning. That's probably a, a problem of mine. I like it. Hey, I'm, I'm working on that as well. Uh, he is at his name. Okay. So if you don't know how to spell it, good luck, but it's at <laughs> Mike Vorkanov. It's M I K E V O R K U N O V Mike Vorkanov. Is that right? I did it. Yep. Hey, there we go. There you go, well, Mike. We appreciate your time, man. Uh, I I'm glad that you, uh, checked your DMS, but also, uh, gave us a chance for Memphis to now have a new friend because once you're a friend of Memphis, as long as you don't turn your back on us, uh, we'll be friends for life. I, hey, I love Memphis. I've been there one or two times. Gus's is great. I got that's a good place to be a friend with. Well, when we get to the playoffs, please come back. Yeah. Please enjoy Gus's again. Write about us. Talk good things. Uh, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks again to Mike for joining the show. He was such a he was so fun. Like he, he's just one of the he's a good guy, and it came off just from meeting him the first time. And he loves Memphis. Uh, we talked about it off uh, the recording. And it was one of those times that you get to see like how much Memphis, you know, it's kind of cool, right, to other people. And I hope he does have a chance to come back here during the playoffs and get another taste of Gus's, but also the city of Memphis and a lot of love from the city. But let's get into uh, a quick few minutes about what's upcoming. The Grizzlies, who I've talked about in the past podcast was very much a chance for this week to be a bad week. And they're now on a seven-game win streak. But they do now go out to the West Coast. They have the Clippers on Saturday and the Lakers on Sunday. And something quick I want to talk about, the Clippers are 19-20. and 20. They're eighth in the West, right? So they've fallen a little bit since Paul George uh, he was injured. There's now rumors that potentially Kawhi could be coming back, and I'm guessing it's going to be closer to the playoffs, which would probably be, I'd say, a month at max prior to the playoffs that he would be able to come back. But in the last 10, they're now 3-7. and seven. Their last game was against the Suns, and they lost 106-89. to The only people on their team that's really scoring is Jackson, Bledsoe, and Morris. So if the Grizzlies are able to shut them down and continue to play with energy then this Grizzlies team could win another game, and that would be very big. And what's also big about this game 
It's Saturday the 8th at 2.30 p.m. That doesn't sound too crazy, right? 2.30, yeah, it's an early game. It's not that bad, right? It's not It's not a 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock a.m. Or is it? For the home team, it is a 12.30 start. It's one of those early ones for them. The Grizzlies, they might have advantage here because they're just now going to be going out there to L.A., and they're going to be having their, their regular body clock still being somewhat normal. They're not going to be there long enough for it to adjust too quickly. And so a 12.30 start for them will feel like 2.30 still. Maybe they are able to you know get up a little bit earlier in that day and not be as groggy and you know kind of get their day going because they're probably going to wake up a little earlier than they should. And so that might benefit these Grizzlies. This game will come down to whoever can get out early and get the energy going, some steals defensively. This is where the game will be won. So I look for the Grizzlies to get out early. If they're able to get out early, such as they did on uh, Detroit in this past game, it was so good to see them get up and go on. I think it was a 17-0 run. But it's those little runs that the Grizzlies can create with their defense, but also just downhill offense. When Ja gets into the lane and he's getting up and he's creating, it opens up so much for everybody. And there's nobody on this Clippers team that scares me. I think they're they're a decent, they're a good defensive team. They're not they're not terrible at all. But there's nobody on this team that if I was I guess Ja, I wouldn't be scared of because you can get up and go over them or around them. And so I think that this this team, this Clippers team is a game that we can win, especially with the early start. Let's get into the other game, which is still going to be at a, it's an away game, but it's at the same arena. So, and it's not really 12 hours or 24 hours later. It's kind of like 36 hours later or something like that, right? 30 hours later, because the Lakers game is an 830 start which is going to be you know 6.30 local for them, right? So it's a six-hour difference, but you get that extra time. And now, yes, it is a late start, but you get a little bit more time to recover. And the Lakers are going to be playing a game tonight, but they are currently 20-19 and 19 as of this recording. They are sixth in the West. Their last 10, they're four and six, but they are on a three-game win streak, which is big for them because they have not been playing well but they've kind of been helped out a little bit with the schedule. Those three games, it was the Trailblazers at home, and then they had the Timberwolves at home, the Kings at home, and now they have the Hawks at home. So that's a big homestand for them. They are a three-point three, three point favorite against the Hawks tonight, but like I said, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with them, and realistically, I don't know what's going on with their team. Is Dwight Howard going to play or is he not? There's a lot of questions revolving around that. But in the end of the day, they are playing much better. But I also look at their competition. Let's not overreact because everybody does to the Lakers. But you got to think LeBron is going to want a little bit of payback. And that's going to be a tough game to win. Whether they win or lose against the Hawks doesn't matter. They're still going to have a day of rest, which is you know what you want. But also they've been at home for a while. They feel comfortable. It is the last game of their homestand before they go on the road. So it's another important factor that involves that. But I like our Grizzlies. 
I think if the Grizzlies can get a one and one split here, I feel good about that because going into the games upcoming, they still have three games next week, but they're going to be done with their biggest and the toughest part of their schedule because really those five games in those seven days, that was tough and it was brutal. But something I've been looking at uh, that that kind of goes with that is that John Morant, he only played 34 minutes in the win against Brooklyn and then the win against uh, Cleveland. He only played 34 minutes again. Another big thing, Detroit game. He only played 25 minutes. So those are big. Normally, yes, I would say it's tough. And I even said, maybe we sit. Maybe we sit Ja because I felt like Dylan was coming back. De'Anthony Melton's coming back. But I think the decision was the right decision because if he only had to play 25 minutes in the end, it gets him loose, it gets him going, it keeps and secures the Grizzlies will get off on the right, you know, the right foot. And, you know, he kind of just stops it a little bit early. So 25 minutes for him is nothing, right? It's kind of like waking up. It's like a, almost a half because he's probably putting out so much energy normally in a first half. That half, he was goofing off, playing around, telling the, telling the Pistons uh, bench to call a timeout. It was a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to watch these Grizzlies. And so I'm excited what's going to happen because we have really, who knows? It, right now, as Michael Jordan says, the ceiling is the roof. Who knows what's happening with this team, but I'm along for the ride and it's going to be a fun ride. They are just playing out of their minds, and I'm excited about it. Another thing that I'm excited about, and something that's blowing my mind, is the next couple weeks. If you've listened for this long, first of all, thank you. Thank you. I can't, I can't just tell you all enough how awesome it's been for this last couple weeks that we've had this with this podcast lately. It's blowing up and it's and it's really kind of forming into its own. This last few episodes have been our best episodes, one, two, and three. And the other episodes people are going back and listening to, they were awesome. If you if you are hearing this for the first time and you had not listened to the Coach John Kaufman interview, it was great. We talked a lot about Jitty, a lot about John Conchar. Uh, but then we went to TCU and we talked to Coach Jamie Dixon about Desmond Bain. And then now we were able to talk to Mike about Desmond Bain and his article with The Athletic. So a lot of good things happening. And then before that, the Christmas week, we had Sleepers Media. Those dudes, they're the best, right? They, they are on everywhere. And everybody gravitates toward them because they're so funny and they're so good at what they do. But what's upcoming? I don't want to completely spoil it, but I think I need to. If you're still here then you are a true G. We have a Spartan dog coming. Coach Tom Izzo. Yeah, how cool is that? I've never thought I would interview Coach Izzo, but we are, and we're going to interview him. As long as everything pans out, everything goes the correct way, COVID can also you know, kind of ruin some things. And if they lose to Michigan, probably not the best thing and best time to interview him. But we, uh, we've talked about it, and we, our plan is to interview Coach Tom Izzo about Jaron Jackson Jr., as well as Xavier Tillman. And another one we have already lined up is Jonathan Sharks from The Ringer. He is so awesome and so good. Everybody loves Sharks. 
And so when I was able to have the chance to interview him, I, I just took it immediately. There was no, no question about it. Whenever he wanted to, I did it. So it's cool. It's great. I can't wait to actually get the chance to talk to him one-on-one. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. So, so thank you again. That's all we have this week. Let's keep going. Let's keep grinding. Let's go Grizz. Be nice and tell your friends.